Good evening. We're going to begin this evening with two hymns. The first one is number 337 in your hymn book, Since I Have Been Redeemed. Let's stand together and sing all the verses. or just keep looking at the screen. Number 389, my faith has found a resting place.
cappella. ask you to take your Bibles for just a few moments as we go to God's Word this evening. And I was tempted to preach on baptism for obvious reasons, but I think the Lord has led me to a different spot. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 6? And I want to, I want to preach on another very important subject, and that is living out the gospel or living the gospel. The reason I want to do that this evening is because there have been many people, even in my experience, I was saved and baptized at an early age, and some of my friends went on to serve the Lord. <laughs> Pastor Matt was one of them, actually. Um, and some of my friends did not. I couldn't give you an exact percentage, but I suspect it was about 50-50 or maybe more that didn't than did. And when I got into college, the same thing, even in college, getting out of college and seeing where people are now, not everybody that professes Christ, not everybody that is baptized, um, lives a faithful life to serve the Lord. And it is sad that some people fall away from the faith. One of the things that can happen, and I pray that it doesn't happen with any of you all, one of the things that can happen is that someone can make a profession of faith at an early age. They can trust Christ as their Savior. Maybe they pray a prayer. They may even get baptized. And then they sort of say, okay, I've done that. And then they live their lives the way they want to. They just sort of move on from there and live the way, however they want. They're not living out the gospel. They're... they're They've had some interaction with the gospel. Maybe they've even truly accepted the gospel, maybe not. But they're not living the gospel. In fact, sometimes churches teach and preach as though the gospel is something to accept, and then you're kind of done with it. That, is, that couldn't be further from the truth scripturally. And I want to show you some very basic things about living out the gospel. I hope that all four of you will not, you're, you're taking a step of, of, of obedience to the Lord tonight, but this should be the first of many steps in your life. The decision that you've made for Christ prior to coming to being here and being baptized is the first of many things that the Lord will do in working in your life. And you want to be engaged in those things as you live out the gospel. We have here in Isaiah 6, we have the story of Isaiah who sees Christ. I think it's Christ here. Um, And we'll pick up here in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So Isaiah sees God. He sees the holiness of God. And then he looks on himself. It says, And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, he looks at himself and he goes, Woe is me. I'm undone. 
because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He sees God, he sees his holiness as he is. He sees himself as he is, sinful among people that are sinful. And in verse 6, we have a representative of, of uh, here, uh, uh, symbolizing of the cleansing of God. Then one of the seraphim flew to, to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs of the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice saying to them, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then he said, Here am I, send me. Now what we see here is a basic pattern that we're going to pick up on later. You're going to see how this works together. I want, to notice, I want us to notice a few things about the, 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 what Scripture says in the New Testament about the gospel. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 34 through 35, we have Jesus that is explaining the gospel. And in verse 35 there, it says, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That is, God says, if you want to live for Christ, you're going to live for the gospel's sake. Mark 10, 29 says it this way, same thing. He says, um, Assuredly, I say to you, there is not one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. The very first time the gospel is mentioned in the book of Matthew, in, in the Bible, in the New, or in the New Testament rather, it says, And Jesus went up out of Galilee, all, about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel that gives us the ability to follow after, to be under the rule of the king. That's the gospel. In other words, God saves us for a reason. He doesn't save us just for fire insurance. He doesn't save us just so that we can escape hell and go to heaven. Yes, those things do happen when we come to Christ, but God saves us to be kingdom citizens. He saves us for his kingdom. And some would say, well, this is just the gospel that Jesus preached. But Jesus actually said that in Matthew 24, this should be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Till Christ comes, till the end of the earth, this is the gospel that we are to preach. So what is the gospel? We're going to learn how to live out the gospel. We need to understand what it is. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is the ability of God to save. But when we think of the gospel and we think of its saving work, we very frequently only think of justification. That is, that we are declared righteous by God. We're, that's, that's, we're saved, we say. We're saved from the punishment for our sin. But true biblical salvation includes justification and sanctification, that we are saved from the power of sin. We're separated from, uh, from sin and to God to serve God, and we are, there is a process by which we are growing in Christ-likeness and we are being freed from the power of sin. And then glorification, we're saved from the presence of sin. In other words, salvation 
works, it starts when we come to Christ and we are declared righteous by God, and it continues until we see Christ. It does not stop. It continues that whole pattern. And what is necessary throughout this, this entire process is that we live out the gospel. So there's two wrong tendencies, and you'll actually hear from the testimonies a little bit tonight some of this. Some people are trying to live out the gospel through self-effort. Um, this sort of performance mentality, living for Christ by my own spiritual will, uh, willpower. You just read the Bible and do it. The problem is, is that God's favor was not gained in justification through self-effort. We're saved, we're justified, we're declared righteous by, the, by, what, by placing our faith in Christ not by works, not by anything that we do of our own self-righteousness. The second tendency is we sort of just let go and let God. You ever heard that before? I just, I just need to let go and let God. That means it's sort of absolving oneself of responsibility. That is a second wrong tendency. Some people, they're, I've got to, in order to live the way God wants me to, I've got to do it in my own self-effort. And that's wrong. And there are others that the way they want to live, they're like, well, I'll just let God do what he wants, and I'll just let go and let God, and I'm simply saying I don't have any responsibility. Both of those things are not living by the gospel. Both extremes will hinder us from living out the gospel. So let's, here's what I want to do with, with Isaiah 6. I want us to think, think through this, and those of you who know Christ as a Savior, you can think through this with me. We can see it in Isaiah 6. But I want us to think through the stages of the gospel. What I mean by that is the stages of our conversion. When we pass from death to life, when we go from under condemnation of sin to justification declared, by Christ, declared righteous by Christ, what, what, is, what are those stages? What happens? Well, I want, to note, I want us to note four stages. Okay, They all start with G. One is... Guilt. In other words, we see God, we see his holiness, we see his justice, and, we, and God, the fact that, Jesus, that God cannot just overlook our sin, sin must be punished, we understand that we are guilty, we have sinned, we fall short of the glory of God, we're separated from God because of our sin, and we experience guilt, the guilt of our sin. Romans 3.23, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. By testimony, you're going to hear that all four of these baptismal candidates, they've experienced this. They have all realized they've sinned. They all realized that they were separated from God. They were born separated from God. You're going, to, you're going to hear this. Then they experience the grace of God. So they understand then that Jesus took his sin, took our sin, not his, he lived a righteous life, took our sin on himself, died in our place so that we could have his righteousness. And they see the grace of God. Someone who has truly come to Christ, they see their guilt, but they also see God's grace in their lives. They see that Jesus died for them to pay the punishment for their sin. The next one is gratitude. There is, now, you know, different people have different personalities. There are some people, they get saved, they come to Christ, and they are just bawling, they're crying, okay? There are others that are just ecstatic. They're jumping around everywhere. There are others, you know, those level personalities. They're just like, yeah, I did that. 
It's not about your emotional response, but I will tell you that what you truly being converted, truly being born again is going to cause you to be gra- grateful for grace. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. And so we realize the love of God because of the sacrifice that Christ made. We go from guilt, grace, gratitude, and then we grow. That's how you grow, in that order. And you know, when someone comes to Christ, in the very beginning stages of when they come to Christ, you will begin to see them grow. Um, Changes will happen a lot of times. Their attitude will change. Their, their, Their approach will change. Think They'll be thinking about things that they should do and shouldn't do because of who they are now. Not to be saved, but because they are saved. Now, let me just point a couple of things out to us. I'm going to move on from that one just for sake of time. There are three aspects of our relationship with God. There are three aspects. One, our position. When someone comes to Christ and God declares them righteous through what Jesus has done for them. There's been exchange that has taken place. They've taken, uh, Christ has taken their sin on himself and, and has given them his righteousness. When that has happened, then they are in Christ. If that has truly taken place, and it is an if, but if that has truly taken place, that doesn't change. Once the gospel has been applied. They become, you become a child of God, and it doesn't change. But there are things that do change. You see, in any relationship, it's not just about the position. It's not just about the identity. Once you're a child <clears throat> of someone, you can't stop being a child of, the, of theirs. But if you're going to have a, a ch- good parent-child relationship, there's going to be more than just, yeah, I'm their child. There's got to be something else. And so we also know that there is our fellowship. This does change. It changes, listen, it changes based upon our continual application of the gospel. Okay? It changes upon whether or not we're living out the gospel. We'll see this in a minute how this works. And so even though our position doesn't change, our fellowship does and can. And finally, our growth in ministry This improves based on our application of the gospel. We grow in Christ. We become more Christ-like. We grow in our effectiveness in serving the Lord. This all takes place as we are living out the gospel. Okay, so now, how do we live out the gospel? I want us to think back to our conversion, and I'm I'm going to suggest to you that the same way that you became converted... Those same steps are how you also live out the gospel. Now, you don't get saved again. You're not declared righteous again. That happens, and that's, that, that stays. But your fellowship and your growth and your faithfulness, those things are dependent upon living out the gospel. If you guys can get this now, well, you're going to be... This is something that adults often don't grasp um, until much later. The first is guilt. Christians, do we sin? Okay, I mean, talk about after we come to Christ. Do we sin? We absolutely do sin. So that means, folks, that that if we truly sin, 
against God, then a true Christian cares about that. Someone who's not a Christian doesn't care. Very candidly, they don't don't care. There, There is not a true desire to please God. It's one of the things I asked all four of them. In, in, in their interview. In one way or another, I tried to get to the idea, do you have a desire to please God? I tried to do it in a way that wasn't just, wasn't just a yes or no, no, no answer. And, and all of them uh, affirmed that they truly desire to please God. Well, that means if that's true, then I am going to, when I have sinned against God, I'm going to experience guilt, and I'm going to experience it every day. But understand this, Right on the heels of that is God's grace. If we, 1 John 1, 9, which is written to the Christian, if we confess our sin, what happens? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that our fellowship is restored. Now, this is very basic, but you know, there are Christians that go days and weeks and months and they're never guilty of their sin, and they're never experiencing God's grace, and they're not living out the gospel. If you guys can learn to have an ongoing relationship with God, where you're, yes, you will displease God, but when you do, you're going to confess that before, you're going to agree with God about that, You're going to realize that God has forgiven you for that and your fellowship is restored. And when that is, there's going to be be a gratitude in your life. Do you know the difference between do you know the difference between a Christian who is living out the gospel and one who's not? It's gratitude. You can mark it down. The one who is a Christian who is living out the gospel, he is one who is grateful. That doesn't mean everything's going right. Believe me, that doesn't happen all the time. There's all kinds of problems. You still go through every difficulty under the sun. There's still frustrations and issues and disappointments and all kinds of stuff in the Christian life. That doesn't change. But there's an underlying gratitude for the grace of God in our lives when we are truly living out the gospel. It's quite possible that we haven't experienced the gratitude because we haven't experienced the grace because we haven't experienced the guilt. And we're stale in our relationship with God, in our fellowship with him. Many times, if we're, in our, if we're having a fellowship problem with God, you can look back to these. And I hope you guys will. You can look back and say, okay, why am I not close to God? Maybe, maybe the problem is is that I've got unconfessed sin. That is a possibility. But maybe the problem is that I haven't realized the grace of God. Maybe I know I've sinned, and I keep feeling guilty for it, and I haven't realized, oh, God's forgiving me for this. I can, I can forsake this. I can move on. Maybe that's the problem. Living out guilt and grace and gratitude and then growth every day of our lives, living this out every day of our lives. The same way you are converted by the gospel is the same way we're living at the gospel. Converted by the gospel is for our position in Christ, our identity. That doesn't change, but we can continue to live out the gospel for the sake of our fellowship and our spiritual growth in the same way that we, that we came to Christ. Guilt, grace, and gratitude and growth. I hope you guys will remember these. I hope you'll remember these four. Maybe your whole life. Guilt, grace, gratitude, growth. I hope 
that you will take these four and you will say to yourself, if you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not close to the Lord, if you're not being faithful, if there's something wrong with your fellowship with God, something's not right, go through these and say, okay, am I, am I not confessing sin to the Lord? Am I doing things and sinful and ignoring it? I'm not saying the same thing. God, am, I, am I saying I've sinned? Not saying I've not sinned when I, when I have and all that. Or is it I've not experienced the great? If I'm living in guilt, am I living in guilt? That's a possibility where you're not experiencing the grace of God. Or you're not grateful. Any of the, if you will remember these four things, it will really help you to live out the Christian life. Don't just do this and say, okay, I got that done, out of the way, now I can do what I want. Go on for Christ. Live for Christ. Fellowship with Christ. Grow in your fellowship and your spiritual growth. And I want to say this to every Christian out here. If you name the name of Christ, if you have truly been born again, if you, have truly, if you are truly a child of God, then you want to please him. And if you are not, then you don't. Now, you don't please God. You don't become a child of God by pleasing him. But when you are a child of God, you will want to please him. And so if you are here tonight and you're a Christian, maybe you're coming to see these young folks get baptized. That's wonderful. But are you living out the gospel in your life? Can you say, can you confess? confirm, yes, I do know the Lord is my Savior. Yes, I do want to please him with my life. Or would you say, mm, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure I've ever lived out the gospel. If you're here tonight, we're going to have a fellowship time later. There's going to be cookies and all that kind of stuff. I'd be, I don't need cookies. Believe me, I don't need them. So come and talk with me. <laughs> and I would much rather talk with you about the Lord than eat cookies and, and tomorrow I'll be, I'll be much happier too. So, so I'm, being, I'm joking a little bit, but I really mean that. I, really, I would love to talk with you about this and help you to, to know, number one, are you truly a child of God? Has that really happened in your life? And number two, do you really, um, are you living out the gospel in your life? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you and we praise you. We thank you for this gift of redemption that Christ, as we learned this morning, as we were reminded of this morning, of the wonderful sacrifice that Christ made on the cross for us, the incredible, incomprehensible sacrifice that Christ made on the cross on our behalf. Father, we come to you this evening and we now have the privilege of watching and being witness to some young folks who have given their life to Christ and now they want to show, they want to publicly profess their faith. Lord, we're so grateful for this. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just really work in, um, in, in our midst this, this evening. I pray that we wouldn't go away from here and forget the truth that we've learned or been reminded of tonight about not just accepting the gospel, but living out the gospel. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing together uh, one more song before...
uh, the candidates are baptized, and I'm looking forward to this as they, as they come in just a few moments. We'll sing a wonderful song, Redeem. This is really just exactly what, what they're, they are sharing tonight. They are redeemed. They are bought back uh, by the blood of Christ. It's a wonderful thing that we'll be able to witness uh, together. Um, I do want to mention a couple of things real quickly, just housekeeping kind of things before we sing. Um, we're going to have lots. This will be well documented. So uh, I have somebody taking, taking pictures. It's going to be videoed. It will be recorded. We'll send you all of that. If you could do your best, just, just I mean, if you've got to take a picture like this, that's fine. But if you put your hand above people, they might not be able to see. So be aware of that. It's, it really will be fine as far as, you'll, you'll, you'll get what you need as far as pictures. And so I would just encourage you to, don't worry about it. You don't need the pictures. We'll send them to you. Uh, you can, um, we'll definitely get them to you. And so I uh, just want to make you aware of that. All right, let's sing together hymn 336, Redeemed. to start. Um, uh, Pat, Matthew Conrad had two of his kids here, and he's been their pastor their whole lives, and their dad. And so I, uh, he's asked to baptize uh, them. They'll go first, one at a time. They're going to go through. They're gonna, what they're going to do, they're come up here, they're going to give their testimony, they're going to walk back behind here, and then we'll baptize them, and then we'll take them into membership. Um, and so that's what we'll do. But uh, he'll be doing the first two, and then I'll come up and do uh, the others. So I think, Ben, you're up first for your testimony. Before I was saved, I was a sinner, but did not know it until I heard it at church and read in the Bible verses like Romans 3, 10. As it is written, there are none righteous, no, not one. When I was about four years old, I asked my dad how 
I could be saved. He said that I had to believe that Jesus died for my sin, was buried, rose again the third day, and that I was a sinner and only God could save me. In John 5, 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes, heareth my word and believes on him who sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come in condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So that is what I did. After I was saved, I started trying to do what was right because I wanted to obey God. God has given me a life, and I want to serve God with it. As Philippians 1, 21 says, for me, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen. alone for salvation, and I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Ben's also coming for membership today as well. Ben, do you agree with our doctrinal statement, our Constitution, as much as you understand it? Good. All right. Very good. Um, can I have a motion from the floor to accept Ben into our membership? He won't be voting until he's, he's the right age, but anyway. Um, okay. It's been moved and seconded. Any discussion? No, I don't think so. All in favor say aye. Like sign opposed. Motion carried. Welcome. <laughs> All right. Very good. Emily, I think you're up. I was a sinner. I did not know that Christ died for me on the cross. Like it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I was five, I asked dad into my room to talk and pray. pray. Hey, that night I got saved by believing that Christ died and rose again. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself, it is a gift of God, is one of the verses that helps me understand that I did not earn my salvation, but I received it, a gift of God. But now I want to use my life for Christ, like it says in Philippians 1, 21, for me to live, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain.
And do you agree with our doctrinal statement and constitution? Yes. All right, very good. Can I have can I have a motion from the floor to accept Emily into our baptism or into our membership as well? <laughs> I got baptism on the brain. All right. It's been moved and second. All in favor say aye. Like sign opposed. Motion carried. Welcome, Emily. Silas. God created me, as it says in Psalm 139, 13 through 16. You formed my inward parts, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet were th there were none of them. I am a sinner and need a Savior. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6, 23a, for the wages of sin is death. Because God loved me, he sent his son to be my substitute, John 3.16. The son carried out the God's perfect plan of redemption by dying in my place. As it says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He then defeated death by rising on the third day, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15.4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I have known all of this in some way my entire life. I had prayed the prayer before, but never really realized what it all really meant. It wasn't until 2020 that my dad took me beside the fire pit for a talk and asked me about salvation. It then hit me that I had never really personalized what God had done for me. And that night, I believed that Jesus Christ was my substitute. Before, I was all just doing it because I had to. Now, I want to please God and see what his plan is for me. So I praise God for creating me and choosing me to be his child. Take a while to get the shoes off. All right, ready? You're close to the tallest person I've ever baptized. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But see, this is why we got this baptism, because he's sitting down while I baptize him. This is, this is great. Silas, upon your profession of faith in Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to serve in the interest of life. Silas is also coming for, uh, for um, communion. As, or for, I'm getting them all, all the ordinances in here and everything. Coming for membership uh, today, can I have a motion from the floor? Oh, do you agree with our Constitution or doctrinal statement? I figured. All right. Can I have a motion from the floor to accept Silas into our membership? It's been moved and seconded. Uh, all in favor say aye. Like, sign opposed. All right. Motion carried. Welcome, Silas. I was supposed to stay with him to help him back. He's like up and out of there. All right. Reese. Like many kids raised in the church, I can't remember a time before I had heard the gospel. 
I've never had one transformational moment when I went from not believing to believing. Instead, God has worked in my heart slowly to help me fully understand the gospel and how it applies to my life. When I was very young, I remember volunteering to be taken aside at a VBS and having an adult walk me through the motion of being saved, though I doubt I understood what I was doing or had the right motivations. After that, and for most of my life, I was never sure of my salvation. At every altar call and at the end of every sermon, I was struck with anxiety and doubts that I wasn't actually saved. I remember thinking about how I just needed to make my faith stronger or pray more often or do better at everything in my life, and then I could make sure I was saved and right with God. Even though I knew that salvation was by faith and never would have identified with thinking I wasn't good enough to be saved, I somehow still thought that way. I had heard so many times that you can't earn salvation, but it didn't even occur to me that I was acting and thinking as if I had to. I remember thinking of being face-to-face -face with God and feeling unprepared, like somehow I needed to do all this stuff to get ready to know I was in good standing with God. It wasn't overnight, but at some point in the last few years, I realized that all of those things I felt like I was failing at and needed to do better in order to be right with God were exactly the things that Christ came to save me from. After years of being hopeless, thinking that I was that I must have done the whole salvation thing wrong since I was still failing at being a good Christian, God showed me how I was, how dense I was being, not trusting that he handled all of it already. It's in the Bible over and over. In Acts 16, when Paul and Silas were asked, what must I do to be saved? All they said was, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In Romans 10, 9, they, um, it says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the instruction manual for salvation. Step one, believe. I started praying to God to help me to have a desire for him because I clearly wasn't going to be able to do it myself. And he did. I've started to want to read scripture more than I ever had before. Um, my first reaction to things has started to be to pray way more often than it was before. So after years of panicking, when preachers at camps would say things like, if you died right now, do you know where you would go? Recently, that happened to me, and without hesitating a second, I thought, yes. It's actually not bad. It's pretty warm. See, Reese, that's why we waited. Upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Let's do this quickly. She's cold. Um, uh, do you agree with our doctrinal statement and our, our uh, constitution? Okay. Can I have a motion from the floor? To, I guess I have. Yeah, can I have a motion from the floor to accept her into our membership? It's been moved and seconded all over the place. Uh, all in favor say aye. aye. Like sign opposed. Motion carried. Reese, welcome.
All right. I want to sing that Redeemed song again. Praise the Lord. This has been wonderful, very encouraging. I, have, I just feel very blessed as a pastor, honestly. This is, it's, I've been here 11 years, and to see these kids, uh, I, heard, I remember my pastor saying that. To see these kids is such a blessing. Now I'm saying it. I must be old. Anyway, let's all stand together, and it is a blessing to see them, the Lord work in their lives and in their hearts. And uh, I want to sing this. We don't need a... Oh, you're there. Okay. <laughs> I, wasn't, I was just going to do it a cappella. I didn't... <laughs> All right. We got a pianist. That's fine. Let's, we'll, we'll use her since she's there. Okay. All right. Let's sing, let's sing Together Redeem. Redeem how I love to proclaim it. Redeem by the blood of the Lamb. That uh, I, I know you've been blessed tonight. It's wonderful to see the Lord working in uh, in these kids' lives. Pray for them. Uh, they have made a very important step in their in their um, uh, spiritual walk with the Lord. And um, pray that they go on for Christ. Pray that they go on to be uh, grow in Christ likeness. They go on to serve Him faithfully throughout their lives. Uh, in prayer for them. Harry, would you close us uh, with a word of prayer uh, this evening? Let me encourage you before you pray. Um, uh, there is cookies and things like that. You can talk to our the baptismal candidates should head down that way after uh, after they're dressed and everything, and so you can talk with them uh, down there. So I would encourage you to uh, to hang out for a while, eat some cookies, and uh, fellowship with each other. Uh, Harry, if you would close us in prayer.
Hello, my name is Jim Ganam, Senior Pastor of Bethel Baptist Church. I'd like to take a minute to thank you for streaming our service. We hope and pray that it was truly a blessing to you. You know, we live in a day where we have access to the preaching of God's Word with just a phone or a tablet or with a couple of clicks on our computer. But we really would love to meet you in person. You know, there is just nothing that really replaces the experience of being in a loving community. Here at BBC, you'll be greeted by people who genuinely want to help you to have the best experience you can possibly have. If you have a family, we can help your kids find their fun, interactive classes, and your littlest ones can get settled into our safe, fun, and well-equipped nursery. Then help yourself to a cup of coffee and join us for the main service for singing, praying, and the preaching of God's Word. Although we'd love to have you visit our church, this is not our greatest concern for you. Our greatest concern is that you know how to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to let you know about a resource that will help you with this. It is called The Exchange. The Exchange is an easy-to-use, four-week guide that helps people to learn how they can have a relationship with God according to the Bible. If you contact us, we'd love to give you a copy while supplies last. And we'd also love to meet with you either in person or over the phone or over a FaceTime or Zoom video call so we can walk you through this helpful resource. If you're interested in going through the Exchange Bible Study with us, or if you just have a need we can pray for, please email us. May the Lord richly bless you. We hope to see you soon.